What a relationship we had. Every time I wanted sex, she left the room to give me privacy. After three divorces, she gave him the best three months of her life. Business tycoon Monty Peterson was through with love. The last time I had sex, I was arrested for assault with a dead weapon. But on a trip to Utah, I'll tell you, it's perfect. He bought more. Who do I make the checkout to? Than he bargained for. The estate consists of the mountain property, the existing home, and your three new wives. New wives? I think I just found religion, you know? I do. I do. I do. I do. Oh, you have no idea what I want to do. Now his bedroom is overcrowded. I can't keep up with him. Oh, I'm envious of a stiff wind. His harem is overflowing. I want you to marry my sister. Marry your sister? I do. I do. And his sex life... That's me. ...is on overdrive. Rodney Dangerfield, Andrew Dice Clay, Jerry Stiller, John Viner, Molly Shannon. Here I am, darling. <laughs> Tonight's our night. Let's go for the whole nine yards. Hey, let's be accurate. We'll go for the whole inch and a half. You like it, the juice? Do you like it, the juice? Do you like the full... Fuck, what was the last line of the goddamn movie I just watched? Do you like the full inch and a half? <laughs> the full inch and a half. <laughs> I did not. I didn't like the full. Fu- no. I didn't like the full nine yards. I didn't like the full inch and a half. I, well, I mean, I half of this movie I was only half paying attention to, but I didn't hate it. Uh, no, I didn't hate it, and I, I probably liked it as much as I could have expected to, given what it is. I think my expectations were very, very low, and they were, uh, I liked it more than I thought. Well, first off, this is Saturday Night Jive. The po- oh, shit, right. The podcast where we watch stupid fucking movies and talk about it in stupid fucking ways. For some reason, almost 300 hours of our lives, well, more than that, because we have to watch the fucking movies, too, has been dedicated to this stupid fucking thing we do every week. But we're approaching episode 300. And I just, I I had like an epiphany watching this movie about our podcast, because I, I feel like so much of our reactions, like we've talked about how like it's changed since we, you know, we aren't t- watching the movies together anymore. And I feel like maybe just, I don't, it just, could just be me, I can't speak for you, but I feel like I never approached this as a bad movie podcast on an emotional level. Like... That's what it is. It's a bad movie podcast. And it used to be we'd get together, we'd watch bad movies, and we'd have fun, and we'd joke about them, and then we'd talk about them on the podcast, and it wouldn't... But now it's like... I don't know. I feel like... like I always go in going, like, I want to watch a good movie. But that's not the point. And then I'm watching My Five Wives going, like, why did I ever... Why do I ever go into these, ex- like, expecting to not hate it? <laughs> that's the whole point. I'm just I'm just doing it wrong, and I have been for a long time. And this it was like I I don't know I, I I crossed a threshold with my five wives where I was just like I think I'm just gonna accept what this is and just try to try to make the best of it. Well, yeah, no, like I think we talked about this last week, but yeah, no, it's changed. It it it's a different uh, animal of hey. You're going to come over to my house. We're going to watch some stupid fucking movie together and talk about it. But, or <laughs> instead of, hey, 
we're going to watch My Five Wives by ourselves alone in our respective rooms and then call each other. That's completely different. And probably, I would argue, shouldn't be done. No, not at all. And we're not going to stop, I guess. No, I don't know. I, I just, but because we, I think we've been kind of inching towards like, do we reformat? Do we f- try to figure out a way to make this work or change what we're doing or the way we're doing it in order to make it work a little better? Or I'm wondering if it's just a matter of my attitude. Like, I just need to embrace the shit, you know, and just like not, not want good things anymore. Because like, I, I'm also like at, at that point in my life. Because, like, we're, like, like a couple of months away from an election that's going to just bring in a fascist takeover of our country. Like, I shouldn't want, like, to ex- expect, like, good things for the country or for my life or, or for my podcast. I should just accept that it's all going to be bad and just try to enjoy the bad. Just, yeah, laugh as the world burns. That's where I'm at, and I'm one. I, I don't know where you are, but that's 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 what I thought of as I was watching Rodney Dangerfield in a montage where he was fucking five ladies. I had a similar uh, experience myself because I I watched this movie in two chunks. I started watching it last night and uh, instantly hated it. I think there should be a rule that you can't use Comic Sans as a font for your opening titles. Like you know, you're in trouble. When the opening titles is Public Domain Orchestra Music and the title is All the Names Come Up in Comic Sans. It's like, that. well, we're not going to watch a good movie here, are we? Well, correct me if I'm wrong. This was not a theatrical released film. This was a straight-to-video film, right? I looked it up. Uh, barely theatrically released. It was released theatrically uh, probably for, like, contractual obligations, but then two months later came direct to DVD. See, cause, yeah, I think the normal... Like, yeah, if you were in a theater... And there's fucking Comic Sans opening credits. You have reason to complain. Like, you should get your money back. But for a straight-to-DVD comedy that was as cheap as this movie looks, I feel like you have to just kind of let that shit go. Go directly to the usher. Sir, sir, these fonts don't appease me. I don't know. I mean, yeah, no, but that's like... Again, you're talking about like setting expectations for this movie. That sets expectations pretty well as to what you're going to get. Yeah, so like right away I'm like, "Oh, fuck this shit." And then it was like 15 minutes where I really considered texting you and saying, "We got to we got to do something else. This isn't this isn't right." And then <laughs> then there's a montage of Rodney Dangerfield fucking three ladies. And I was like, Alright, I could be into this. And then that's when I had the turn of like, you know what? I'm just gonna fucking watch this movie. Well, see, because that's, that's the thing, like, Rodney Dangerfield is one of those guys, and, and, and I don't want to shit on Rodney Dangerfield. He's, a, he's a, a great stand-up comic, he's a classic, well, well, he's dead now, obviously, but he's one of those actors, or I guess, I don't even know if they're called, where you wonder, like, why didn't he have a bigger career in movies? And then you watch this movie and you realize, oh, that's why. Because he sucked. Like, he was a great joke guy, but that doesn't translate to movies at all. Like, no. the, that, like the beginning where it's like he's narrating over just stock footage of, like, cars driving in L.A. And it's just Roddy Dangerfield's shtick. It's like, oh, I, here's bits from my stand-up that I, I cut and I fucking put in this movie. That's why I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's why you didn't get more movies, because you just don't work in movies. Yeah, no, it's it's all, 
Well, he wrote the script, too, with some other guy. It was written by Rodney Dangerfield and some other dude. And yeah, it just seems like we we got a bunch of one-liners. Uh, we got this idea where you marry five ladies, let's merge the two together, and we got ourselves a movie. But yeah, calling Rodney Dangerfield an actor is a bit of a stretch. Well, and, and I was also thinking, like, because he's got, like, his friend with him the whole time. And you know how we always... I loved that. Who's literally just there to respond to his jokes? It's like, well, Rodney Dangerfield is going to look insane if he just tells one-liners to himself. We better give him a friend who has, like, one line every five lines for Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield will go, hey, yeah, it's like, who does here? Who And then his friend will go, that's right. Which, like, make that guy somebody. Cast, like, I don't know, like, Richard Belzer or somebody that can play off him, you know? Uh, but... But no, but like I was thinking of Robin Williams. We always talk about late stage Robin Williams movies where they always have to cast somebody to laugh at Robin Williams jokes to tell you that they're funny because otherwise you wouldn't know. But this, like, I I would argue most of the one-liners are at least chuckle worthy, if not outright funny. But you still have to have that guy to be like, yeah, that was funny, Rodney. Well, like I said, it, it wouldn't make sense if Rodney Dangerfield was just muttering to himself around the house telling jokes. He's got to have somebody. But yeah, no, this dude doesn't play off of him. It's just Ronnie Dangerfield shows up in this town and there's this guy like, hey, I'm just going to hang around so you can tell jokes to me. Like, that's going to be my uh, my character in the film. Do I have a name? Uh, it's not important. Well, I just feel like I almost would have liked it better if they had cut that character and they made it like... Like like voices in his head. Like he's just he is just talking to himself and he's a crazy senile old man. And, like, make that the movie. Because, like, I never thought of Rodney Dangerfield's act as as conversational as it is. But so much of it is about him talking to the audience and telling... It's about, you know, that kind of... I mean, it's not call and response, but the conversational nature of it, I kind of took that for granted. But, yeah, it just seems weird that that's so much of what he does. Yeah, well, it was weird. Uh, Like, just randomly, I was uh, just watching YouTube videos last week before we decided to watch... My Five Wives, which did we mention that that's the movie we watched this week? I don't think we did. Okay, and and another, I mean, this isn't part of the epiphany. I've already said this. I've long since stopped caring about the accessibility of this podcast to other people <laughs> listening to it. Oh, you didn't catch that we were watching My Five Wives? You didn't even catch the name of the podcast or the premise? I don't give a fuck. Fuck you. <laughs> Turn it off then. Listen to any other podcast. I imagine there's one guy who's like, well, I'll listen to the first three minutes of this podcast just to see what it's about. Wait, they didn't introduce the name of their podcast or what they're talking about. I, I'm i too busy to read the title of this podcast that says the name and the movie. Yeah, well, that guy's probably a pedophile. So <laughs> Fuck that guy. So we watched a movie, we're going to talk about it, but we're going to give you no details on the plot or tell you what the title is. It's Ronnie is. Dangerfield fucks five ladies. That's the plot of the movie. Yeah, well, and then was, they don't want to was, fuck him anymore because they read Molly Shannon's book. That's the plot, and then and well, then a I, mafia subplot. Yeah, no, I, there's there's some shit I I do want to talk about this movie, and it's uh, it's views on marriage and women. Um, but uh, no, I was I was randomly watching uh, YouTube videos, and Ronnie Dangerfield it just popped up uh, like a couple days before we decided to watch this movie. And it was, um, it was like a call and response thing. He was basically just uh, having the audience shout stuff, and then he would just tell a joke. So he, the audience was asking Rodney questions, 
but he wasn't answering the questions. He was just launching into jokes. So like, hey, how's your dog? How's my dog? I tell you, my dog, he goes on the carpet, you know, because Ronnie just had a joke for like any subject. And that's what it was, you know, it's just, hey, you know, yell something out, I'll tell six jokes about it, you know. How's your love life? My love life, it ain't going too great, I tell you, you know. Shit like that. Yeah, and... Uh, and that was all, that's all I had to No, add. I know. And, well, <laughs> and there's going to be a lot of moments like that, where we have something that we think is interesting, and then we're going to say it, and then the other person's going to be like, okay, I didn't find that interesting. Here's something I found interesting. Okay, I didn't find that interesting, because... That's the nature of this podcast now. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's that's about it. Um, so, My Five Wives is the film we watched. Here's the outline of the plot. Uh, I forget how it starts, but somehow Rodney Dangerfield... He's getting oh, divorced he to... from his second or third wife, I think? I believe he's already had... He's on his third divorce, and we start with him getting uh, his third divorce. He's a guy... He says, I love marriage, you know, I just like getting married, but I just haven't found the right girl yet. And he wants to build a ski resort in this town, this small town. So he goes up there to buy the land, but, okay, correct me if I'm wrong on this. So he's buying the land from the deceased landowner, and in this town, they're they're all part of a certain religion, which I guess is Mormon, but I don't think they ever say that. And if he buys the land... He also has to marry the three wives of the deceased old man who owned the land. Is that correct? Yes. You basically, like, you you own the property and therefore you own the wives. Yeah, because uh, he, buys, he buys the land at an auction and he gets three wives. And then later, one of his wife's sister's elderly husband dies and he marries her to get the deed to... Uh, the deceased man's house. So I guess in this religious community, your wives are your property as well. Yes. And Which, if you buy a house, you also get three ladies. And I mean, it sounds weird, obviously, as a premise to a movie from our perspective, but I would not be surprised at all if that was a real thing in one of these kind of communities. Like, I, because these communities don't really exist anymore. I think they've been basically stamped out. But... I'm sure, like, they probably read an article about this exact thing, like, this quirky, weird law in this weird community that practices polygamy where you can literally buy wives, you know, and that was probably the inspiration for the movie. Well, yeah, and then also the the wives aren't allowed to, like, uh, conduct business on their own, too. Um, So, yeah, I don't know how realistic this is, but I get in this universe... You know, a, a dude is allowed to marry as many wives as he wants, and if he dies, which he will, because all the men are like really fucking old and they're dating twenty-year-old hotties. Eventually, that old man is going to die, and then someone will have to come and be like, "All right, I will take over all of his assets, including any ladies he has." Yeah, but that's the thing. I mean, that is the case in whenever you see these actual communities with polygamy, it is like really old fucks and younger what because that's. A lot of it is child brides. That's, you know, where that... That's one of the reasons... One of the big reasons why polygamy is illegal is because it t- tends to, you know, come along with, like, marrying, like, 14-year-old girls to, like, 60-year-old dudes. That guy, Yeah, well, because... Right. Yeah, that Jeffords guy or whatever, that I think he was, like, in his 60s and he had, like, a bunch of wives and most of them were underage. Well, yeah, and I guess, it, I guess if that was the case, it wouldn't make sense that, like, if you died... 
you know, I, I guess in, in that kind of community, they ain't going to leave the property to the ladies. Yeah, no, and another dude just comes in and just takes over for you. And, and it seems like the kind of thing, like it's really archaic and weird. But then you'd read like, oh, this is still happening in the '90s or whatever this script is written. Like that, I, I that is actually totally believable to me that 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 was a real thing. Yeah, well, because Rodney, he uh, he buys the land and he he takes the wives, and uh, his wives are all like, you know, young hotties, uh, and they all just. Their marital duties are such where they just fuck Rodney Dangerfield all the time. Like, that's all they do. And, well, that's yeah, that's the point where it becomes ridiculous, because you would also assume that this hyper-religious community would be relatively chaste and, you know, culturally subdued in that, that respect. That, you know, they're, they wouldn't, I mean, they would have sex to procreate, but obviously Rodney Dangerfield probably doesn't have, like, you know, He's probably not having his kids boys. Anymore. His boys ain't swimming. Yeah, they wouldn't. <laughs> There's no way his boys all got googly eyes. They wouldn't be so promiscuous just because they happen to be young. That's that's the thing. But but that's the joke is that he's old, but he's still fucking, and he's really tired and doesn't want. To, he has the fantasy of fucking three young ladies, but the reality is he has, he can't fuck them all, and and then he wants to fuck them, and then they but they've read a feminist book, so they don't want to fuck him anymore. <laughs> That's comedy. Yeah, I, I'm imagining Rodney Dangerfield's sperm <laughs> with all of just Rodney Dangerfield's googly eyes <laughs> just bumping into things going, hey, we, hey, hey. You know what? Where's the egg? Hey, these are over easy. I ordered mine well done. <laughs> if this had taken a weird fucking turn and like, as like after the, like he fucks the third wife and then like you just like for fast forward or whatever you call like zoom in to like uh remember the one skit from uh, uh everything you ever want to know about sex but we're afraid to ask but woody allen is the sperm yeah. like that but it's just rodney dangerfield as all of his sperm <laughs> i would have given this movie so much more credit than i do <laughs> yeah because he he gets married to these ladies one at a time so it's like hey do you rodney take this lady he goes yeah i do and then we cut to them having sex in their hotel room. Next day, hey, do you take this lady? Hey, I do. And he's like, huh, I, not tonight, honey. And then uh, they have sex. And then the third wife, hey, do you? Hey, okay, I'll try my best. And then they have sex. And then the first, like, 20 minutes of, or, like, after he gets married to the fifth wife, the next, like, 15 minutes is just him going, huh, these ladies, they insatiable. Insinuating that, like, all these women, the, the, these women's only role is to just please their husbands sexually. And I guess they're making a comment on the community, but it also just, it just kind of rubbed me in the way of like, is this what they think marriage is? Yeah, and I'm kind of chafing at the religious aspect of it, just the incongruity of like, these are supposed to be like, really fundamentalist religious characters, and as soon as they're married to Rodney Dangerfield, they're just like, fucking nymphomaniacs to the point where at one point he's like i gotta install one of those ticket taker things <laughs> which they so the idea is that they would be like they would take turns one at a time but that implies that prior to that they were like let's all have a fucking mormon orgy with Roddy dangerfield <laughs> like, i mean uh, 
to the movie, they always take turns. There's never any mention of like, hey, we could knock this all out at the same time, honeys. I don't know. I just... To the point where when he, they go to Vegas, he gets them separate hotel rooms. And he's like, I'll be in uh, room 104 at 11 p.m. And then at 1130, I'll be in room 102. And then in 103, I'll be there at midnight. Hey, if I get any calls after midnight, call the mortuary. Because he's an old man. He's like a hundred years old. Can I just throw... And the running joke of this movie is that he can't get it up for his ladies. Can I just throw out right now? Can we declare a moratorium on Ronnie Dangerfield impressions for the rest of the episode? <laughs> it just comes out so easily. What are you talking about? I just, I don't know. I feel like we're not going to get into the deeper analysis of this film if we're just doing our Ronnie Dangerfield impressions. Well, wait until Andrew Dice Clay shows up and he's like, hey, what are you doing over here? And then the incredibly Jewish Italian mob, mob boss, Jerry Stiller, comes out. <laughs> Jerry Stiller comes out. Hey, this is my boy. And then big fat John Panette's like, oh, I don't like cameras going up my bum. You know, that's the other thing. I, John Panette, who has since passed away, he's passed, he died fairly young, I think. He was like 50s, or in his 50s. Yeah. And uh, we've talked about him before, because he was also in duets. And Dear God. Oh, I didn't remember him in Dear God. I, I don't remember much about that movie. He was the mob boss who was, like, roughing up Greg Kinnear in, like, two scenes. I, I don't even remember that. But I remember, like, really kind of liking John Panette as an actor, or I mean, not an actor, as a stand-up, and being kind of sad that he died. Well, I mean, obviously anybody dies young like that. But uh, watching this movie, I was like, "Oh, was was he shit too? Like, did I was did I waste my tears on John Panette? Was he always just a piece of shit, <laughs> or is it just this movie is that bad?" At the beginning, I will admit, <clears throat> John Panette wasn't working for me. I was like, "I don't like this character. I don't like how whiny and annoying he is." But as the movie went on, I was I was starting to appreciate it. I was like, "Okay, I, he's an all right comic foil." You know, well, he's the guy who's, he's the second banana to the main bad guy, bad guy. So he's always like doing the grunt work, trying to catch Rodney Dangerfield and like acts of mischief, but fucking up. Uh, and he was, he was working for me. This movie started to come together. But like I said, for the last like 50 minutes of it, I was uh, doing monotonous busy work that I had to get done while I was playing uh, to just to my left. So if I look to my left, I was watching My Five Wives. If I look to my right, I was working. Uh, but I was able to follow the plot and enjoy some of the gags. I, You know, Rodney's a joke machine. Well, what I will say, yeah, I, I would say most of Rodney's stuff worked for me, incidentally, um, even though it didn't really co cohere with the story at all. Um, what I will say, though, just in terms of general quality, because uh, I kind of measure, like, in terms of really more comedies than anything, but any movie, like, if it's, if it's a movie I'm not necessarily liking, I'll go like, can I at least see the better movie inside of this movie? Like, what are the tweaks I can make to make it better? And sometimes I, I don't even see that. And that's like the really bad movies. It's like, I don't even think I can make this better. I don't think there's a better movie in here. And this movie kind of shifted from like, I don't think there's a better movie in here to by the end. I, it's, I don't think it's a good movie, but I think I could make it good. Like, if I wrote this, if you gave me this premise, I think I could rewrite it. I could remake My Five Wives, and it would be, you know, actually funny. Like, I, like the John Panette character, 
I, I was waiting for a turn at the end, like, because he kept being sort of exposed to the, the darker, you know, immoral, sinful world. Like, he's, you know, there's that scene where he takes a picture of his ass and faxes it to the guy. He's like, I don't know what your fascination is with male asses. I wanted the, at the end to, like, have him, like, realize he was gay or something, or, like, realize he was something, like, I want to be a, a stripper in Las Vegas, my, you know, or something, you know, where, like, he sort of comes around and has an arc, rather than just, like, he's the big fat foil, you know, I wanted him to, like, have a realization about himself. Yeah, there were, uh, like, brief moments where um, I, I really wished he, he would have become the hero at the end, because he is the, you know, he's the second banana to the bad guy. But you can tell, like, he doesn't like being involved with the mobsters that his boss are working with. He's like, these are bad guys. We shouldn't be involved with them. And then there, yeah, there's a scene where it takes place in a strip club and he's chasing them. And then that was probably my favorite moment of his performance. Um, and I, I wish it would have gone on a little longer. He chases Rodney Dangerfield onto the stage of the strip club. And then all the ladies are hooting and hollering for him. So he starts doing this little dance. And I was like, all right, I go ahead, John Panette, get, do that little goofy dance. But I, you know, I wish it would have gone on. And yeah, maybe he's like, I, I found my calling. I'm a Chippendales dancer now. Fuck you, boss. I'm living it up in Vegas. I mean, that might've even justified one of my least favorite tropes of any movie, the animal house style. Where did they all go from here? Ending <laughs> where you cut to him, you know, now he's a Chippendales dancer and he's happier than ever. Oh, did well, oh, okay. I thought I missed something. You're just pitching that we should they should have had an Animal House Christmas. What, what I'm saying is that should never be in movies, but if they did no. that in this movie and that was his ending, I feel like I would have appreciated it. Yeah, no, you should never have an Animal House. What did we just watch that had that? Oh, Jane Austen's Mafia had Which credits might like be the least fucking uh, appropriate one. Like, that's the one that, like... <laughs> right. Like, none of these people are characters, who gives a fuck what happens to him after the movie's over? I mean... You didn't do anything with them for 90 minutes. You expect me to give a shit what happens after that? Yeah, but this movie should have definitely... I mean, this movie was shitty enough that, like, I, it would have been of a piece with it if if I found out where, where Jerry Stiller's character ended up after his five seconds of the movie. But, I don't know. You know I was, I, like I said, once I got on the movie's wave, like, also... Uh, this movie is free. I watched it on Tubi, and Tubi has ads like every 20 minutes. And uh, I usually I, I would probably complain about something like that. Like, oh, fuck, I got to sit through ads. This movie, perfect for ads. Well, also Tubi, I will, I will, uh, I, this is my first Tubi experience, but the ads were perfectly placed. Like, they didn't just come out of nowhere. It was like, oh, this scene is over, ad, and then we go into a next scene. It was like perfectly cut for uh to put the ads in there and i needed those because every 25 minutes or so Tubi, you were right i need to take a break from my five wives no i watched this on the roku channel which is similar it has ads uh they weren't as as cleverly edited in there were some moments where it, it was sort of just sort of placed in there but yeah i agree this was uh i and yeah i i i, I this is for I. I mean, I haven't watched other than YouTube. I don't really watch commercials. Like I don't watch commercial television, and you know, even with YouTube, I skip them after the three seconds or whatever, typically. Uh, and I've always hated ads, but yeah, I feel like this was kind of refreshing. Like, oh, I get to like look away from this shit <laughs> and take a drink and not have to worry about it. Yeah, because uh, I was watching it on my phone. I was lying in bed. Um, my my 
my wife. Uh, she was watching some stupid shit on the TV, okay. so I had my headphones on. I know she watches, like, shitty reality shows and Kardashian shit, but I think at this point you can't criticize anything she's watching while you're watching My Five Wives. <laughs> turn, turn that shit off, honey. I'm watching a straight-to-DVD Rodney Dangerfield movie. I can't concentrate with all that fucking inane claptrap you got on the TV. And then she just looks over at what you're watching and goes, I know we've only been married for like a week and a half, but I want a divorce. <laughs> she, yeah, she saw the Rodney Dangerfield divorce scene and she was like, well, that gives me an idea. Uh. Uh, but, but Oh, yeah, because I was, I was watching it on my phone and then like, oh, I'm watching this movie, I'm watching this movie. Oh, an ad? Oh. Okay, yeah, I'll get up out of bed, I'll go grab a soda, I'll take a pee, go raid the fridge, hey, alright, I got some fucking cheese in there. I'll take a bite of cheese, oh, the movie started again, alright, I'll eat this piece of cheese while I watch 25 more minutes of My Five Wives. Well, I should ask that, because you are obviously enjoying married life uh, for the last uh, uh, week or so. Uh, how much, how does it compare to this classic film about marriage, My Five Wives? <laughs> There's a lot less sex. Does your wife not just uh, fucking jump your bones just constantly for no reason? Uh, it seems like that's all we do, apparently. Uh, yeah, no, because that that was just so weird to like have no. And I, like I said, I think maybe they're making a comment on uh, the polygamy. How because they try to get away with it halfway through the movie when the women go to Molly Shannon's uh, book reading and are liberated. But even after that, they're still like. Can can we just fuck you, Rodney Dangerfield? That's all we're good for. Yeah, no, well, that's the thing. I I am in the opposite camp. I don't think that they were trying to make any kind of commentary, at least on Mormonism or the plight of women in that circumstance, because they're so willing and consenting to it. Like, they're, like, so aggressive about it. Whereas I feel like, you know, if, the, if they'd been, like, reluctant, like, oh, this old man wants to fuck us, but I guess we have to, maybe that would have been... Uh, that would have felt like commentary to me, but this feels like more like just commentary on like marriage of like, I'm married to a, a young, hot trophy wife and I'm too old to appreciate it. Like that. It's just, it feels like a Borscht Belt, Roddy Dangerfield joke. Well, cause I would take it in a completely different direction because, you know, I, I, I don't know if you know this, but Rodney Dangerfield was famous for uh, his catchphrase of, I get no respect. You know, you, you ever heard that? You ever heard him say so that? So you think his his uh, incredibly frisky three wives are are too respectful of Rodney Dangerfield's dick? I think he was getting too much respect in this movie. Well, it's it's also just the fact that he wrote it, and he's writing himself getting uh, these sexy ladies like just jumping on him in bed all the time, and it just feels like just an extra layer of gross. Yeah, well, because you think about, like, okay, so Ronnie Dangerfield, he's got five wives. Where do you take that concept? Oh, uh, he's blissfully happy because all five of his hot wives just want to fuck him 24 hours a day. No, it would be funnier if Rodney Dangerfield is like, hey, I fucking three wives here. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. But none of them want anything to do with him. So he's taking his, like, 90-year-old dick and he's like, hey, who wants to suck this thing? And they're like, no. Also, <laughs> no, none of us are going to suck that. I mean, I guess it wouldn't have worked because, like, one of the jokes is, like, 
he buys the thing and he wasn't aware of this deal part of the deal that he has to marry these five these three women and then it becomes five women later but uh so like the mormons are like okay you've got your land and by the way here's your wives he's like no no no, i'm not getting married again not to the three women and then he sees them and they're all sexy and he's like oh i definitely want to get married to these sexy ladies uh i feel like there should have been like an a frumpy one yeah that would have been good too and like maybe like that's the joke like the, the two hotties don't want nothing to do but the frumpy one's like well I'll fuck it he's like I guess that's my consolation prize you know or something like that oh, that would have that would have been a great gag uh, you know save that for the fifth one so it's like okay he's got the three hot wives and then later on one of the wives is like hey can you marry my sister and take over her her land because her husband just died so he goes over there and he's like oh hey you're hot too all right I'll have four wives well there's a catch. You also got to marry my fucking aunt. <laughs> and then some old ass lady comes out and she's like, give me that dick. But pops her teeth out and shit. That would have been hilarious. Yeah, and she's the only one that's like fucking ridiculously sexual. Like make it like Lynn Shay from fucking something yeah. about Mary, you know? Like fucking June Squibb or something. But June Squibb shows up and she's like, come here, Rodney. Oh, man. Well, I love that. No, yeah, something like that. I just, I feel like there was really nothing with the wives. Once you get the main conceit, they're just there to be fucked. And like, I mean, they they get some like kind of set pieces towards the end where they're breaking them out of prison and stuff. But I don't know, it just it, it that like the lack of agency for these characters. Because I mean, it, the 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 part of the movie where it seems like they're be, they're being given agency feels to me like very half hearted and just sort of perfunctory and almost like like obligatory. To where it's almost not even in the movie. It's, it just feels like they're so, such props that it just made me feel really bad. Yeah. Even when, like I said, when they get liberated. So now he's got five wives and he's like, hey, we never went on a honeymoon. We're going to Vegas because I got a convention there. So he takes his wives to Vegas. They randomly go into this Molly Shannon uh, book reading. And Molly Shannon is like... Um, I guess uh, ultra feminist. She hates, she's a man hater. And she wrote a book about how uh, women need to stop putting up with men's shit. And she gives this speech and then they're like, Oh, well we listened to Molly Shannon and, and uh, we're liberated women now. Well, yeah, we'll, we're still all married to you and we'll still all fuck you all the time. But I guess we have ideas or thoughts. Maybe <laughs> like they don't even do it. Like there's no tur- turn of like, now he's not getting sex, you know? Like, there's no conflict at all with the wives. The conflict is saved for what? A mafia subplot. Well, but, like, because, like, you could have done a whole stretch of the movie of how that is affecting the town. Because, like, they get jobs, and, like, there's that one scene where, like, they're walking in, like, pantsuits now, and, like, everybody's looking, like, what's going on there? And just the idea of, like, you're infecting the women of this town. Like maybe like they start spreading it to other women in the town. And like, it basically like almost dismantles their entire society because all the women suddenly realize like, Oh, we don't have to be beholden to our husbands. And you know, like it's, it's sort of, you know, that, that idea of like, you know, contamination. I think that could have been a dilemma rather than like, the banker slipped you counterfeit bills to frame you. They could just be like, no, we, we don't want him in our town anymore. Cause he took all our wives away. Yeah, no, we could have, could have turned it into like a fucking uh, Mormon Pleasantville, if you will. I mean, it would have had more depth and nuance than, oh, Andrew Dice Clay has to come to town to try to kill you. Yeah, because let's let's talk about the mafia subplot here. Uh, 
It's not really a subplot, it's more the plot. The wives really take a back seat to when Rodney Dangerfield showed up to buy the land for the ski resort, uh, evil banker John Biner and his uh, henchman John Panette were buying the land for Jerry Stiller through Andrew Dice Clay. Andrew Dice Clay is working for Jerry Stiller. <laughs> Great casting on these mafia toughs. You got John Biner, you got Jerry Stiller. Well, to be fair, John Biner isn't a mafia tough. He's a he is a part of the Mormon community. <clears throat> well, he's a Weasley. He's working with the mafia, um, and he wants to be the richest man in the state. So they're buying the land because it's built on an Indian burial ground, and John Biner is like one eighteenth Indian. So if he owns the land he'll be able to legally open up a uh, Indian casino. And that's the mafia's main goal is they want to turn all this land, build an Indian casino, make so much money, uh, basically destroy the, the community itself because it'll, you know, it'll ruin it with gambling. Um, but that's their evil scheme, but they're thwarted because Roddy Dangerfield just happens to want to open a ski resort in the exact same area. Well, and that's the thing. Cause yeah, he doesn't know that about the, it being an Indian bear ground, but, John Biner thinks he knows, but that makes no sense because it's only worth it if you have the Indian blood in you enough that you can legally open the casino. He's, I mean, he'll open a ski lodge and presumably make some money, but it's not worth the same amount to Ronnie Dangerfield, presumably, as it would be to John Biner or the mafia people working through him. Because the, the mafia people could only exploit that if they have a guy who can exploit that loophole of having 2% Indian blood or whatever. So like I don't well, I don't understand why the idea of like Rodney Dangerfield knows that it's it's worth more than people think it is. Like no nope, it isn't to him. It couldn't be. Unless he was also part Indian. Yeah, no, none of that makes sense. And they know what he's doing with the land. He's going to build this ski lodge. But well, I guess they just want it for themselves because they're making Indians and they're mafia toughs. They don't really know what they want. They're, they're taking orders from Jerry Stiller. Turns out at the end, Jerry Stiller's like, what? You was after Rodney Dangerfield? He's my best friend. Arbitrarily. We're so close that we know all the stuff about each other. And yet my own uh, nephew, Andrew Dice Clay, has never met or heard of him. Yeah. And at no point did his name ever get back to me. And I said, hey, that's my buddy. Don't murder him. Yeah, that's. The I had to physically come here and go, Rodney, my best friend. They kept reporting back to Jerry Stiller, and just some fucking asshole bought the land. They never said like some fucking <laughs> asshole named Rodney Dangerfield. They could have even described. He's a ninety-year-old man with googly eyes who keeps making one-liners. You talking about Rodney Dangerfield? Yeah, I think that's the guy. No, no, no! Don't murder him. But yeah, I just I the mafia subplot. I mean, do we, how much do we have to even talk? Because it's the exact, the reason we bring it up every time is it's the exact same fucking thing every time. It's just, we needed some arbitrary bullshit stakes and the idea that a mafia, the mafia would come in and they'll kill indiscriminately. Like we'll have like, you'll owe the mafia money and they'll want to kill you, even though that means they don't get their money. But they're they're dumb mooks, and they don't understand that, so they'll want to. So then they'll be able to chase you around. It's just it, it happens every time, and it's the same fucking thing every time. Yeah, well, and then the fascinating thing about it is, it happens in movies where it, 
there's no call for it. This movie's called My Five Wives. It's a movie about Rodney Dangerfield married to five ladies. You don't need the mafia in that. Three men and a baby. Three guys and a baby. You don't need the mafia in that. Like Mike, kid with basketball, magic basketball shoes. You don't need the mafia in that. It's like these movies, they come up with a concept and they're like, Aw, shit. What do we do with this? Co- well, mafia. We've written a hundred movies with mafia subplots. Just put a mafia plot I mean, in there. That'll add some pages. Jane Austen's mafia. You don't need the mafia in that at all. <laughs> it could have just been a Jane Austen movie. I wish they would have cut the mafia out of Jane Austen's mafia. Just nothing but a little boy inside of a donkey's asshole. For ninety minutes, just just farts and donkey assholes. I like how we bring up Jane Austen's Mafia a lot, uh, and it's like the least interesting movie we've ever watched. But no, but like on subsequent podcasts, we're all like, "You yeah, remember Jane Austen's Mafia?" But that's the thing with this movie too. You have a natural villain in the oppressive society that he's joined, mm-hmm. and they never make that a thing. You know, like they never even mention the fact that this society kind of sucks. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, the. The Mormon aspect of it, it's never played as, uh, this is wrong either. Like, um, it treats polygamy as like, no, that's just what some people practice. And, you know, hey, it's pretty nice, actually, when you think about it. Well, that's... you fucking five ladies. And I also, I get why that is, because I don't think you could do that and have Rodney Dangerfield be like, yeah, isn't it great that I'm fucking five ladies? Like, you, you, like you would see him as the bad guy if... People who do this regularly are considered the bad guy in the movie. So they had to just not do that. But I think it makes for a less interesting movie. I'm acting, I'm asking for more nuance in a Rodney Dangerfield straight to video comedy, but I, 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 that's what I wanted. Of course you want it because you're watching a movie and you want it to engage you. I don't think you're wrong for wanting that. I don't, or even just more with like the feminist character, make her a villain and make her have a point rather than yeah. it's like she comes back at the end, Mary and Rodney Dangerfield for no reason. <laughs> and I remembered that. That was one of the few <laughs> things I remembered about this movie. And I just must I remember like it must have been a bigger part of the movie, right? Like she must have been more of a foil for his character. Nope. She's in one scene and then she's just fucking loving Ronnie Dangerfield's dick at the end. I, I, we talked about this last week, but yeah, the only, I think the only part of this movie I saw was that last second. Um, I must have just been flipping channels and caught the very end of this movie, probably on like a Comedy Central rerun. But we got like an hour, or I got an hour into this movie and I was like, isn't Molly Shannon in this? And then she shows up and I'm like, oh, okay. And then she meets Rodney Dangerfield in an elevator. Uh, she instantly doesn't like him because she thinks he's a boorish man. Uh, and then she's not in the movie anymore. And I was like, but wait, I remember the end of this movie. He marries Molly Shannon. I know that for a fact. And it happens literally in the last scene of the movie. He's like, all right, my five wives, toodles, uh, we're not married anymore. But you know what? I did meet this lady in Vegas that I might want to marry. Cut to Molly Shannon and Ronnie Dangerfield on a boat. And he looks right in the camera. <laughs> The last scene of this movie. I knew it was coming, but I loved it. She's like, are you ready to go the whole night in the yards? Hey, let's be honest. Right in the camera, Rodney Dangerfield goes, we're going to go the whole inch and a half. Freeze frame on Rodney's googly eyes. Worth the price of it. No, I I agree completely. I say this uh, unironically. 
without exaggeration or hyperbole, one of the greatest endings of any film ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, fucking Citizen Kane. I yeah, whatever. The fucking sled. I get it. Fuck you, Orson Welles. You know what have made that movie better is if he looked directly at the camera and intimated that he had a really small dick before he died. <laughs> if fucking Charles Foster Kane woke up and he went, Rosebud is the nickname for my small penis. You know how tiny rosebuds are? Just as <laughs> tiny as my dick. Yeah, fuck all movie endings. They got nothing on my five wives, I tell you. But, uh, um, but no, I just, yeah, I, I... Like, the Molly Shannon character, what if she finds these five women and they tell her their story and she, like, put brings them... It's not just that they read her book, but, like, she's like, I'm gonna come back to your town. And, like, it, it's also, like, I'm gonna make a name for myself and my feminist uh, movement by by making these women the example. I'm gonna come back to their town and save all the women in that town. And then she becomes an antagonist. And at the end, through her interactions with Rodney Dangerfield, she learns, like, yeah, this society is wrong, but it's not all the men that participate in it. Like, here's, here's a good one. He's been respectful of these women, I guess sort of relative to everyone else you know or at least like have that be a thing like I, you have molly shannon who's funny why not utilize her i did they only have her for a day because she just shows up in that one scene i wouldn't be surprised if they were just like hey molly shannon do you want to be in the end of the movie too and she's like sure i mean you're gonna pay me for the whole day yeah we'll pay you for the whole day all right stand next to rodney while he looks directly in the camera and delivers the final line of the well, film I, she would have still been on SNL at this point, right? Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I would imagine that she probably didn't have time to film a whole movie. So I, I kind of understand that. But yeah, it's like then then cast somebody you could put in the whole movie and make her a character. Yeah, no, this, this movie definitely suffers from the, the mafia subplot and the all the shenanigans going around the My Five Wives. It's, yeah, it's almost as if they... They wrote a movie and about the mafia, and they were like, "Oh, we need a hook. What if he's fucking five ladies? All right, perfect. We'll call it my five wives. Keep the script completely intact. Don't change a thing. But we'll just add five ladies. Well, no, and it, it feels like that was like that was the mafia. It was still a, su- a subplot, but it was a subplot of like a movie Ronnie Dangerfield wrote in the eighties that never got made, and so they they just kept that shit in, and they just like, okay, can we put it in Ladybugs? No, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, what about uh, fucking Back to School? Nope, that doesn't make any sense. And then finally, it's like, My Five Wives, we don't have anything else. Fuck it. Andrew Dice Clay's a mobster. Yeah, no, this movie, uh, you know, <clears throat> it needed to, like, and we find this so much just these movies with, like, high-concept premises don't do anything with their premises. It's like, why did you even bother? Like, I, you know, I wanted to watch Rodney Dangerfield having trouble with five five wives. Especially, like I said, when you... Rodney Dangerfield's whole stand-up was like, Hey, my wife never fucks me. Five wives who are never fucking you? Now you have all of the burdens of a wife times five? That movie I want to watch. I don't want to watch Andrew Dice Clay showing up and going, hey, I'm going to murder you. Like, I'm not interested in that at all. No, I mean, A Fine Mess literally has Nazi horse dildos that give you super speed, (laughs) but the entire movie is just them being chased by mobsters. You didn't even know what you fucking had. (laughs) Yeah, no, the the mafia, like... Unless it's Goodfellas. Just keep the mafia out of your fucking movie to begin with. Uh, speaking of which, R.I.P. Ray Liotta. Oh, uh, yeah. The king of the mafia well, like, subplot. 
I'm like I'm like three uh, got like three episodes I still got to edit, so this is gonna be be a while. Also, speaking of that, R.I.P. Norm Macdonald. Have you watched his Netflix? I have special not. Yet? No, I. I... Because uh, I, I, I saw clips of it, and it was like him just talking on like a what looks like a Skype call, like his webcam, and I thought that would make yeah. me sad that that was like the last thing I ever saw of him. Oh, I teared up, but he, it's it's brilliant, you know. It's uh, it's wonderfully funny, but also sad knowing that he probably knew that this was going to be his final performance. Um, but it was what uh, was weird about it was afterwards. They have uh, like Dave Chappelle, David Spade, Adam Sandler, Molly Shannon, and David Letterman. They're all talking about it because like they just watched it and they're just talking about Norm and like the special and what they thought of it. And David Letterman seems to be stuck on the fact that it's uh, you know recorded in his home for Skype. Uh, and he's like, "Can you imagine that in front of an audience? Like, would would that work in front of an audience? What we just saw." And I was like, bitch, I saw that in January 2020 because that was basically the, the set he did. He was working on his special. So I, I've already heard most of those jokes live. And uh, I can tell you from experience, yeah, I was in tears watching that in front of an audience. And most of the audience was as well. Well, I mean, he's one of the best stand-ups of his generation, I would say. Um, yeah, no, I would, I would definitely recommend it. I mean, he, it, it starts off weird because you can tell he's like, uh, you know, I... I I don't know, like, this isn't what I normally do, you know. But then as it goes on, you can see something like click in his head where he's like, all right, I'm just going to imagine the audience. And he starts performing more, like, as he were, is he starts pausing for the punchlines, you know. Like, he gets he gets more into a rhythm. I think when he first started doing it, he was just like, I'm recording this just so it's out there in case something happens. And then I think it kind of clicks in his head where he's like, if this is the last thing I do, I'm going to make it great. And it, it's fucking great. <laughs> At one point, like he, his phone rings and he's like, oh, I'm just I'm doing a comedy special here. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> so there's a couple rough patches, but uh, it's it was brilliant. I, I was tearing up and, and howling with laughter at the same time. But yeah, it's and it's what this is the name of it. It's nothing special. And just the the humility of the the man, like the fact that he like he didn't want anybody to like know he was dying because he didn't want any kind of hagiography, and I feel like he would probably hate the idea that like a bunch of comedians had to sit in a room mourning him in the wake of his special. Like he probably would have thought that was like embarrassing, but like yeah, I just I I don't know. I, I it just adds more levels of greatness to this guy who well, yeah, would have hated like, that estimation. Uh... I think I think you said it when we did our Norm tribute. I think you mentioned like, oh, he, he probably had like one more special in him that we'll never get to see. Well, this is it. He was he left it on the floor. He's like, there's no. It was during COVID, so there's no crowds. If it, you know, I in a normal circumstances, I think he would have just like, I'm going to perform on stage before I go check into the hospital for this procedure or whatever it was. Um, but he couldn't do that, so he just did it in his living room on an iPad. Uh, and it's it's still brilliant. It's it's his final. It's how he goes out. And the the final punchline uh, is like that's like the best joke Norm's ever told. Just the final joke of his his final special. I mean, I feel like it would have been a little more satisfying if he'd petered out in a series of straight to video comedies. Like maybe he fucks five ladies, or he's the host of a talk show. Uh, well, I or mean, maybe he's a talking dog. I don't know. I was going to say, he did have Treasure Hounds vampire dogs. So. 
<laughs> if you're just looking at Norm's movie output, yeah, it, it, it didn't end well. well. I was actually referencing the Rodney Dangerfield talking dog movie, Rover Dangerfield, not the, oh, the various Norm MacDonald talking dog movies, which, by the way, also includes all five Dr. Doolittle films. I forgot about Rover Dangerfield. I thought you were referencing fucking all the talking dogs Norm has voiced. Forgot about Rover Dangerfield. Well, the fact that there are so many Norm MacDonald talking dog movies, like, he had to know how fucking dumb that was. Like, he, like, he had to be, that had to be a joke for him that, like, yeah, I'll fucking be Vampire Dog. <laughs> Why not? I, I think at, at some, at a certain point, you're like, they're paying me? Sure. I'll show up and be Vampire Dog. Well, I, I, I am sort of desperate to watch the John Lovitz one, uh, fucking Bark Ranger. Bark Ranger. Because, <laughs> like, John Lovitz seems like, like, Norm MacDonald seems like he'd be like, yeah, whatever, pay me money and I'll be the, do- the dog. John Lovitz seems like he has a little bit of, like, ego and pride. Well, maybe a lot of ego and pride, but just enough that, like, you'll probably sense the disdain in his voice as he's voicing the talking dog. <laughs> Yeah, like after every take, he's like, did you record that? Because I'm not doing it again. Like, I can't wait till that comes up on on the wheel. I assume it's on the wheel. Bark Ranger is on the wheel. Oh, Uh, speaking of that, I wanted to ask, uh, well, I guess we'll get to it, but uh, do you have greener grass on the wheel? uh, I do not know what that is, so no. Uh, It's got Beck Bennett in it, and you need to put it on the fucking wheel, because I just watched the trailer for it this morning, and it looks fucking bizarre. Uh, a 2019 movie? Yes. Suburban soccer moms find themselves constantly competing against each other in their personal lives as their kids settle their differences on the field. Yes, but it, if you watch the trailer, it looks like a weird, like, surreal anti-comedy thing, but it's got Beck Bennett in it. It looks it's really interesting. Alright, well, it is now officially on the wheel. Good. <laughs> Congratulations to us. We'll watch that at some point. Why? I do not know. Because we're approaching 300 episodes. Beck Bennett is in it. I still don't know why we do this. Beck Bennett. Everybody likes Beck Bennett on SNL. Uh, I did like Beck Bennett on SNL. Uh, All right. Well, anything else about My Five Wives? Because I'm trying to remember. I did. We mentioned it, but I did really laugh at Ronnie Dangerfield's ass in a thong. I thought that was... I thought that was a perfectly timed joke. Uh, he shows up to Vegas. They go to the pool, but they're wearing like very respectable—not even bathing suits. They're dressed in like uh, cloth doilies. And he's like, "Girls, I gotta get you some bathing suits." And then you cut to ass and a thong, ass and a thong, ass and a thong, ass and a thong, ass and a thong. Rodney Dangerfield, ass and a thong. Which oh no, that that was funny. There's a lot of stuff that is legitimately not like hilarious, like fucking gut busting laughter, but. There, there's a consistent level of like, ah, that was okay, that was good, you know, like like that kind of level of funny. I I wouldn't recommend this, but I wouldn't not recommend it either. If you decided to watch My Five Wives, I don't think you're going to be like, ah, fuck, why did I do that? Like, it's it's fine. Yeah, well, and then if you're a Rodney Dangerfield fan, I think it's I like. I mean, he's he's not a good actor, but. You know, he's he's ripping ripping off these lines like nobody's business. And, you know, every fifth one, you're like, eh, but no, there's a couple. Some of them don't make sense. <laughs> I think a lot more don't make sense than maybe you're even thinking. <clears throat> I know there was one I, I 
I didn't take any notes while I was watching the movie, but I was like, I got to write that one down. Because there was one where I was like, I don't even know what the fuck that means, what you said. But no, there's a couple of ones that I wanted to point out. The first one was when he accidentally sets fire to the dead body. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. And he's trying to put it out. And at one point, he's like, I need water. And he thinks for a minute, what if I pee on this corpse's face? That's his first idea. He's like, hey, I need to put this guy up. Uh, no, I can't. We can't whip out my cock and piss on a dead man. Which, if they had gone through with that, because this was like the era of like like post American Pie, like this was gross out comedy, like I, that wouldn't have felt out of place at this time. I don't think had he actually no, peed in the corpse's face, and I would have fucking loved the shit out of that. I would have liked that if yeah, he because he actually sets fire to the dead man's beard. Um, and yeah, if he would have pissed on him, and then you cut to like the the funeral, and everyone's just like. <laughs> What the? What? What is that? And you cut to Rodney going. Ugh, ugh. That would have been great. So there's that. Um, and then I wanted to talk about Molly Shannon's uh, presentation in the Las Vegas thing. It, like she doesn't like give a speech. She just goes, "Man, ah, it's in the book." <laughs> and she just keeps saying that it's in the book. Yeah, when a, a Molly Shannon SNL character gives a speech, basically, <laughs> like, she's less of a character and more of just Mary Catherine Gallagher up there going, read my book! And yeah, like, no, like I said, nothing comes from it. Like, I think at that moment, we're supposed to get a level of, uh, oh, these women are getting ideas and maybe maybe a plot is going to start. No, nah, doesn't happen. And then the only other thing I wanted to mention was, uh, well, there's two things in the sequence where uh, at one point... Rodney Dangerfield gets arrested. The bank guys frame him for counterfeiting. And so he's in prison. And the, the, the wives who have now been liberated, they, but they still love Rodney. So they dress up in like military uh, fatigues. And they're like, we're going to uh, suddenly have all this agency and we're going to break him out of prison. We're going to steal a garbage truck and bust out the back. And then he dump, jumps in the dumpster. And there's two moments. One that I laughed at legitimately and one sort of ironically. The legitimate one was where the banana peel works against a car where <laughs> he pull, he's throwing trash at, at the, the cop car chasing him and then he pulls up a banana peel and he's like that's not gonna work is it eh, what the hell and he throws it and then the, the, the car slips on a banana peel <laughs> I did like that and then the one I laughed at ironically was where they, they, they distract the other cop car by flashing their boobs at him yeah I, 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 I kind of appreciated that hey Thanks for the booby trap, girls. So yeah, that's, I mean, there's stuff, there's stuff littered throughout the movie that is either legitimately or ironically funny in kind of equal measure. And I don't make any distinction about, like, I mean, if I'm laughing, I'm laughing, even if I'm, you know, laughing at the movie or with the movie. Uh, But there's enough there that it's a solid watch if you are on its wavelength. But if you don't get on its wavelength, I totally understand. Like, it's, it's not for everyone. Oh, yeah, I didn't. Uh, for a while, I did not think I was going to enjoy this at all. Um, yeah, it's it, it takes about 20 minutes or it took me about 20 minutes before I was like, I'm watching a Rodney Dangerfield comedy. I'm not going to think about this. I'm just going to try to enjoy Rodney Dangerfield near the end of his life telling one liners. And when I started watching it on that level, like, it's a mild recommendation from me. Like, it's not great. It's not particularly good, but it's passable. It's it's not abysmal. It's not terrible. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it is, 
it's acceptable, <laughs> which for yeah, our podcast I, is, is, you know, a, a high yeah. bar. Yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure I've seen Meet Wally Sparks, like his other late-in-life uh, leading man role, and I remember not liking that movie at all, thinking it was just pure garbage. But yeah, this one I was like, eh, I'm getting some chuckles out of this. Yeah, no, it was about the it was around the time of when he put in the the ticket thing. That's when I got on it. And I was yeah. like, okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let this movie be what it is. Yeah, it goes it it goes to some absurd levels every now and then. Um, <clears throat> when he's calling the square dance, I like that scene. Um, oh, when he's when he's skiing yeah, like, down the slope and he's basically doing the uh, the back to school uh, the triple triple Lindy, Lindy but but on a ski slope. Yeah, no, there, there's there was enough in this movie that it held my enjoyment. Um, and like I said, mild recommendation. But uh, if you don't want to watch My Five Wives, hey, I ain't gonna hold that against you. Also, uh, if you're a fan of uh, late '90s, early 2000s, uh, like Sci-Fi Channel shit, like stuff that was filmed in Canada, you get a lot of those actors in this movie. I was recognizing a lot of like Stargate SG One people, <laughs> like, which that that only that only helps me. That didn't do anything for you, but. Probably filming on the same sets. Yeah. Uh, John Panette gets a camera shoved up his ass. Did we talk about that? I think you briefly mentioned it. <laughs> he t- he's trying to get pictures of Rodney Dangerfield uh, smoking cigarettes and drinking, which are also against the laws of the community. Uh, but he sneaks into the bathroom. Rodney's already left. He takes a picture of some random guy taking a shit. And that guy's like, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to kill you. But I'm going to take that camera and shove it right up your ass. And then you cut to later, John Panette's like, uh, or John Biner goes, Hey, uh, what happened to my camera? And he goes, I don't want to tell you. And then he starts walking all funny. I was like, all right, I'll accept but that's, that. See, that's the thing. If, if I were writing this, I'd go like Wet Hot American Summer with it. Where like the reveal, it's like he's, all of his experiences have culminated in this thing. Like, no, I... I want to dance. I want to be a Chippendales dancer. And I want to shove cameras up my ass and take pictures of people smoking on the toilet and their asses and thongs. Like, all of it culminated into him being this, like, ultimate fetishist, like one of, like a character out of a dirty shame or something. <laughs> all the stupid mistakes he've made has, has now influenced his char- character. Like, they're, they're all uh, moments of, of sexual liberation for him. <laughs> yeah, I... I I guess I, I I was not liking John Panette, but as the movie went on, I was like, I need more. This guy needs to be an actual fleshed out character, not just some random second banana. Uh, the waiter that uh, acts as his lawyer, I thought that was uh, kind of a fun scene, too. Who was uh, on Stargate Atlantis. <laughs> no, he's one of the he Stargate was, he was guys. He the doctor yeah, on, the, uh, on Stargate Atlantis. Rodney Rodney's on trial for, they framed him for passing phony $100 bills and his uh, lawyer is the waiter who served him, and while the, he's delivering his arguments, he's also pouring water for everybody because he's still in waiter mode. Thought that was funny. There is enough in here. I said, after I watched it, I was like, eh, whatever. But as I'm talking about it, I'm like, eh, some good, de- decent gags in that thing. Oh, one question I did have. Do you think that uh, male strip clubs, like Chippendales places, are all for women and don't let men in? I feel like, like... A lot of gay men would probably go to those places as well, right? I would imagine uh, probably the majority of Chippendales fans are men. I mean, I know you see like the, the women there, but like, yeah, there, there. That's like a like a a, a moment of of uh, tension where like you can't get into the club because they only let women in, and I feel like that's not a thing that exists. 
Yeah, in movies, every time you see a Chippendales dance scene, it's all cock-hungry ladies <laughs> out for a night on the town. But I imagine it's way different in those bars. No, definitely. Uh, all right. Speaking of Chippendales, I watched Chippendales Rescue Rangers yesterday, which has Andy Samberg in it. I enjoyed that for the most part, yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. So anything else about My Five Wives before I spin this wheel? Uh, nope. I say spin it. All right. I am spinning the wheel. Let's see what this wheel lands on. Okay, uh, we have we have landed on an SNL episode. Uh, this is, is it fucking Harry Dean C- Stan again. <laughs> it's not Harry Dean Stan again. That's <laughs> come up like five times. Uh, the Charlene. This is a bad one, uh, but it's notorious. The Charlene Tilton episode from season six uh, that ends with Charles Rocket saying the f word at the good nights. Uh, remind me, who is Charlene Tilton? She was on Dallas. Oh, okay. So I have no frame of reference for her then. I have no frame of reference for her either. But she hosted Saturday Night Live. The episode is very, very terrible. Uh, but it ends... I mean, it's... I've watched the good nights of this episode so many times because I just constantly get enjoyment out of Charles Rockets just saying fuck. Now, whatever version we find online, will it have that unedited segment section? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen it, so I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure, well, yeah, because I think the one on Internet Archives is the, the live broadcast, because why would you watch the Charlene Tilton episode of Saturday Night Live unless you wanted to hear Charles Rocket say the episode? Well, I, but I just would assume that any point, that most of those were recorded from syndication rather than, like, a live airing, so I... Well, remember, we saw Charles Rocket say the N-word. I guess, yeah, but I just, I would assume <laughs> they would cut that. Uh, no, I don't think so. At least not on, not on the copy I watch, which, yeah, I, I don't know if there's another one. But, yeah, uh, the one I can confirm that the one I downloaded from Internet Archives is is complete intact. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm up for that, if you want. Do you want to roll another one for safety? Um, I mean, we could, but, yeah, I'm up for that because uh, I, I, love, I love that uh, fucking... I love those fucking good nights. <laughs> and I've never seen... I know, uh, I've heard of it, obviously. It's, it's infamous, but I've never actually seen it. Yeah, and it's another bad episode from season six. We've uh, we've watched the Malcolm McDowell episode, uh, the Bill Murray episode, and the David Carradine episode from that season. Uh, I've also rolled uh, Wise Guys, directed by Brian De Palma and starring Danny DeVito and Joe Piscopo. So I think both of those are good choices. I will leave it up to you. Do you want to watch a Saturday Night Live episode or a possibly shitty Joe Piscopo movie? Well, what I will say, and I don't, again, I don't know how much you listen to our other my other podcast, Thirty Sons of Pitches, but we've had a a long and strange history with Brian De Palma, where we've realized both Nate and I fucking hate everything he's ever done. Uh, I don't. I think he's a very overrated director, um, and I've always been interested in Wise Guys. So no matter what we pick. Both of these are options for the I'm future. tempted to go Wise Guys just because it's a Brian De Palma movie. And it's because we, we literally did a thing called Nail in the Coffin where we watched the two Brian De Palma movies that we hadn't seen that were most interesting to us. In this case, it was Raising Cain and um, Dress to Kill was the other one. Dress to Kill. Yeah. Okay. And uh, basically, like, this is the last two chances he gets. And if we don't like these movies, we nail in the coffin, fuck him. And we hated both of those movies. We were like, we're never watching a Brian De Palma movie for the podcast again. So this is, like, literally my only chance to watch a Brian De Palma movie for a podcast. Because he's literally banned from my other one. 
Cut to, hey, wise guys, that stars Joe Piscopo. Uh, yeah, all right, I could do either one of those. Which one you want to do, wise guys or uh, I, I hate to, I hate to turn down saying, another episode, but I, I want to go wise guys. All right. I'm I feel like I'm, I'm shitting on too many chances to watch actual episodes of SNL. Well, I mean, this is a movie star and an SNL alum, uh, an SNL alum that we have championed many times. This I, is a pro Piscopo yeah. podcast. We've always said it. And we are definitely pro Piscopo. Have we ever not? Well, two bits and pepper. I, but I but, loved him in it. I didn't hate, I hated the movie, but fucking Spider was classic. I got gotta respect Piscopo in Two Bits and Pepper. Uh, loved Dead Heat. I mean, my favorite I, movie of all I, time. I wasn't a huge How Sweet It Is fan, but I liked him in it. I I unabashedly enjoyed that movie. Uh, what else have we seen with Piscopo? That might that might be uh, that might be it. I'm sure we've watched. Always liked Piscopo, them on but, SNL. Um, but no, that's yeah. Let's go, Wise Guys. All right, next week we are watching. Wise Guys, starring Danny DeVito and Joe Piscopo in a Brian Palma original. Uh, what's the uh, what's the consensus on this? Wise Guys... I assume I will like it for Joe Piscopo and Danny DeVito, and I will hate it for Brian De Palma. Uh, yeah, no, I've always been curious about it, because I don't, I don't know if it's... A, I think it's a comedy. I would imagine. I Well, it's Brian De Palma, uh, so I would assume it's like not in so much comedy everything he does is laughably bad but i don't i think he's so self-serious it seems weird that he would make a comedy yeah it's got a 31 percent on rotten tomatoes so yeah uh this this review says brian de palma who made some funny movies years ago seems to have lost his touch what funny brian de palma movies have you been watching yeah, I, I mean again i laugh at all of them but because of how did you ever see the untouchables uh yeah, there's so like there's a scene in the Untouchables where he throws a guy off the roof, and they they oh, follow yeah. him off the roof like waving his arms in front of the worst blue screen I've ever fucking seen in my life, and it's fucking yeah. hilarious. It's laugh out loud funny, but I don't think it's meant to be. Um, yeah, he's made some shit. Um, but it's specifically comedies. Bonfire of the Vanities is not a comedy. It's the only it's one I can notorious yeah. for being. Horrifying, horrible. Well, it's supposed to be a comedy. Isn't it? No, I don't believe so. I think it's a, it's like a legal drama, isn't it? Oh, I've never seen it. I thought it was supposed to be satirical, at least. Maybe I don't know, but I, I, he's one of those directors where, like, he could probably get away with saying like everything I did was satire. That's why you right. think it sucks. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. So I'm, I'm into this. Brian De Palma, <laughs> Wise Guys, 1986, Piscopo, Devito. Saturday Night Jive. Catch it next week. Uh, or whenever this is edited. <laughs> or in three weeks when I decide to edit it. Uh, is that all our time on the mm-hmm. shed? I think that's all the business we got. We have picked a movie for next week. We have talked about a shitty movie. Uh, that's all we do on this podcast, right? We don't. Uh, but I'm embracing heal it. Heal the world or save the rainforest? No, well, we're stopping <laughs> fascism one, one podcast episode at a time. But. <laughs> No, but I'm just embracing it now. We were we're a bad movie podcast, and I was wrong for wanting it to be anything else. Where like I might sit down and watch a movie and just enjoy it, and also have an interesting time talking about it. I'm I'm watching a fucking Brian De Palma movie next week. I'm consigned myself <laughs> to just shit. My life is shit. The world is shit. My podcast is shit, and that's okay. 
Well, I mean, we could watch good movies. I listen to a lot of, uh, all the podcasts I listen to, the majority of them are movie related. Uh, and I listen to podcasts that talk about good movies too. I mean, we could, we could watch a good movie and talk about it. I don't know, because I remember, like, I was a big, like, uh, How Did This Get Made fan. And then Paul Shear came out with, like, another podcast where it was like, let's watch the great movies. I forget what it's even called. And I never bothered to listen to it because, like, I'm not talking about great movies. What are you fucking talking about? That is true. I did lose interest in that podcast pretty quickly. <laughs> I want you to talk about shit movies. That's what podcasting is about. Yeah, well, next week, we may be in for some shit. I don't know. Might be uh, stop. Wise guys. Don't 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 try to find hope. Just just imp- yeah, dive I, into I, the shit and love it. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be good, uh, but hopefully it'll be interesting. Uh, so next week, wise guys. I'm pretty sure I've said that twelve times. We just got to end this thing. Get, get off the, the shit. shit. I'm playing all right now, but last week I was in rough shape. I don't get a break with nothing. I played hide and seek when I was free. No respect. No respect. Why they wouldn't even look for me. No respect. No respect. I was an ugly kid. I never had fun. No respect. No respect. They took me to a dog show and I won. No respect. No respect. When I was born, I brought no joy. No respect. No respect. My old man said he wanted a boy. No respect. No respect. I was an ugly kid, always alone. No respect. No respect. Halloween, I had a trick or treat over the phone. No respect. No respect. Friends don't call, my phone don't ring. I don't get a break with anything. What's the matter, Rodney? Ah, death, where is my sting? It's just rapping, Rodney. Ain't that your type? No, no.